0: Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God this morning, experiencing His, his glorious goodness. And thank you, Lexi, for leading us and being with us this weekend. So I'm Dave Stewart. I'm one of your pastors. I'm glad to wrap up 2019 with you. And as Lexi just prayed, we're entering a new decade, not just a new year, but we're starting a new decade this week. And what's it going to hold for us? What's this last decade? What's this last year held for us? Today, I'm going to invite you to make an investment. Actually, I'm going to invite you to make three investments. And if you make these three investments, you're going to get to the end of 2020 and you're going to look back on the 12 months. And you're gonna thank me. So I'll look forward to that. Next December, you come thank me because you will have made these three wise investments. Can't lose investments. I believe that making these investments will result in a year with peace, with gratitude, and with no regrets. Doesn't mean next year's gonna be easy. All of us are gonna face challenges we don't even know about yet. Some of us are in the midst of those challenges now and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And yet, if we choose to invest wisely, God will guide us through those and we can be filled with peace, gratitude, and no regret. How many of you have heard of Ron Wayne? I saw a couple of hands. Not John Wayne. All of us have heard of John Wayne, unless you're under 20. Ronald Wayne was one of the founders of Apple. What? There was actually three founders to Apple in April of 1976. You know Steve and Steve, but most of us have not heard of Ronald Wayne. He was a partner, a 10% partner for about two weeks. And then he took his payout. 10%. What do you think his payout was? It actually amounted to $2,300. Do you know that that $2,300, if he had chose not to bail out early, if he had chose to stay in based on last year's valuation of Apple, it would be worth over $100 billion today. 10% of Apple. Yikes. I bet there's a few regrets there. What do you think? Now, of course, he didn't know the future, but he knew that probably working with Steve and Steve, working for them, was going to be a big pain in the backside. And so he took the easy way out. And sometimes I think we do that. We bail out early because of pressure in life. Some of you are here today, and maybe you're saying, "I, I need something different in my life. I started pursuing God, but... I bailed out too early, and it's time for me to re engage. And I'm glad that you're here today. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus talked about profit and loss. In these very well known words, in Mark chapter 8, he says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? Gains and losses. In the world's eyes, if we gain the whole world here in our Silicon Valley, success in a startup, making lots of money, having a good house in the right neighborhood, getting your kids into the right colleges, all those things are seen as success in the eyes of the world around us. And yet you can be rich in those things and poor to God and you're gonna have a life full of regrets. Estimates are that 50 to 90% of startups fail, depending on how you define success. And only about one in a thousand startups actually become wildly successful. But that's what many of us are looking for. We want that wildly successful startup. We want to see a great return on our investment. But there are investments that you can make that produce a way better return than making $100 billion off of $2,300. So what's at stake here? Maybe you started investing in that relationship with Jesus, but like Ronald Wayne, you bailed out too early, and now things are hard. Your soul is empty, you're longing for something more. If you only invest in worldly success, Someday you may wake up and your spouse is no longer in the bed with you because you didn't invest in that marriage relationship. Or maybe your kids as adults have no relationship with you because you didn't invest in time with them when they were young and it was critical. Maybe you have achieved the financial and business success that you dreamed of and longed for, but you've climbed that ladder of success to to feel like, is this all there is? There's got to be something more. I feel empty. I'm lost. So my question is, where are you going to put your first investments in 2020? Are you going to invest to be rich towards God? Are you going to continue doing perhaps what you've been doing and expect different results? Now, let me give a disclaimer here. First of all, If you are pursuing a startup, if you are in a tech company, if you are going after it, I'm not saying that's wrong or that's bad. God puts us in different places throughout culture to be his representatives. If you work at a startup, you are God's missionary there in that place. In your neighborhood, you are representing God. So I'm not saying that that's wrong or that's bad, but if you're only rich in that way, and not rich towards God, like Jesus said, you're gonna lose your soul. And I'm not saying that to follow Jesus, you've gotta quit your job and go to Africa and be a missionary or become a pastor or something like that. Unless God calls you to it, then you better do it. But all of us need to assess and look, where are we in our lives right now? And how am I investing? What is my most important investments? And what's the return in my soul that I'm getting? And the question for 2020 is, what are you willing to invest to follow Jesus? Let's look at what a disciple is, and then I'm going to come back to this idea of three can't lose investments. So early in the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, we read of Jesus calling his first disciples, Simon and Andrew. In Mark 1.17, read, read this out loud with me. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now we're going to kind of break that apart into segments. But before I do that, let me give you my definition of a follower of Jesus Christ or my definition of a disciple. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who will be with Jesus Become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. Go ahead and write that in your notes, and then I want you to think about that for a moment. (coughs) A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. An apprentice is a learner, one who follows a master to learn a trade or a skill or to become like them, who will be with Jesus in his presence, alongside of him, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. There's three parts to Mark 1.17. First of all, it says, follow me, Jesus called the disciples, follow me. That's talking about relationship. When you are in relationship with Jesus, when you are following him, you're hanging out with him, you're around him. A couple of chapters later in Mark chapter 3, it says, and he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons we're familiar with Jesus' ministry. If you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus did a a lot of miracles. He taught. The crowds were around him. He was with the people. He healed the sick. He restored the sight to the blind. He changed water into wine. He stilled the storm. He multiplied food for thousands of people to eat from just a few loaves and a few fish. Jesus did all these amazing things, and yet it's estimated that 85% of his time was not spent ministering to the crowds but discipling a few people, investing in their spiritual development and growth, and then he included them in the ministry that he did. But first and foremost, it was with Jesus. It was a a three-and-a-half-year camping trip They went all over Israel. They were traveling. They were walking to different villages and towns and cities. They made these annual treks to Jerusalem. And they did it together in community. And they learned of Jesus. And as Jesus calls us to follow him, it's first and foremost about relationship. It's interesting that I read through the New Testament recently and was studying this idea of being a disciple, did you know that the word Christian is only used in the New Testament three times? And yet the word disciple is used over 260 times. Disciple was the primary word used to describe a follower of Jesus. In fact, the word disciple wasn't used till, or the word Christian wasn't used till years after Jesus was gone. And then it was only mentioned three times in the New Testament. So I would say that being a Christian equals being a disciple. There's no difference, there's not just those that believe and then those that follow. Anyone who chooses to follow Jesus is a Christian, is a disciple. So first of all, the first priority we see, Jesus said, follow me in relationship. Secondly, in the second part of Mark 1:17, he says, and I will make you become. That's talking about transformation, a changed life. Now, how does that happen? First of all, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with you. He is present with you, and he begins doing this work of transformation and changing our thinking patterns, what we believe, our habits, our character, to when we become more like Jesus, we're transformed into his image This happens, I believe, in community as we look at how Jesus made disciples. He had these 12 guys plus another group of folks that traveled with him that he was investing in, and their lives changed over time as they took in Jesus' words, as they talked with him. Now, we don't have Jesus physically with us today, but we can talk with him, and we can take in his words through the word. And they did it in community, and we need others in our lives to encourage us and to sharpen us. And that's how we change the Holy Spirit, God's Word, prayer, and other people. There are spiritual practices that we can do to be with Jesus. And Jesus also uses those to transform us, to become like Him. There's a third part to this. Jesus says, I will make you become fishers of men. Now, the the first two disciples he called, and then the next two, James and John, those guys were fishermen for their career. They lived by the Sea of Galilee, and they went out daily and cast their nets and pulled in fish and sold their fish. That was their livelihood. And Jesus says, I'm going to shift what your priority is from being fishers for fish to now you're going to fish for people. That must have kind of made them cock their heads a little bit, huh? Huh? how do you fish for people? But God calls us to a mission. Fishers of men was the mission that he called them to. And God has a mission for every one of us. Now, we're all different. We have different gifts. We have different abilities and passions and personalities. And God calls us to be on mission for him in different ways. Some of you have a passion and a love for working with kids and you want to help them come to know Jesus and to grow in their faith relationship with him. Others of you have a passion for working with married couples to help them grow. Others of you have a passion to work with singles to help them find fulfillment and growth and health in their lives. One of my passions is to disciple men. I like to meet with a group of men and invest in them, and together we develop stronger habits of growing close to Jesus, and we do ministry together, and we share our lives with each other and our struggles, and we pray for each other, and we encourage each other. I think the highlight of 2019 for me when it comes to ministry was discipling a group of men and meeting with them regularly and talking about our lives and challenging each other and walking through hard times together this last year. God's called us to fulfill his purpose, his God-given purpose here on earth. And part of that purpose for every one of us is to make disciples, to make disciples. You have a diagram there on the bottom of your first page of your notes that Pastor Tim shared with us earlier this year. Talking about the mission of our church is to make disciples based on Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we do that through evangelizing and equipping. At the bottom of that diagram, though, I want to call your attention to those words. Uninterested, interested, believer, follower, discipler. That's a continuum that every one of us goes through. And every one of us is at some point on that continuum as it relates to God. Maybe some of you are here today because somebody invited you, but you're really not interested. You were just being polite, and I'm glad you're here, and I hope today that maybe you might just start getting interested and say, well, who is this God? Is is he real or is he not? What's different about these people that say they know and love and follow Jesus? Some of you are interested. You haven't yet made that decision to trust in Jesus But but you're curious, you're interested, you're searching, and you're learning. Others of you have crossed over that line. You came to a place where you said, yes, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you love me, that you died on the cross for me, and I'm going to trust you with my life. Some of you have gone beyond that and say, okay, I'm going to actively pursue this relationship. I'm a follower. And if you're a believer today, my hope is that you will move to being a follower of Jesus if you're interested today my hope is that perhaps today would be the day that you would say yes to Jesus and cross over the line and say Jesus I believe in you and I'm ready to start following you too some of you are disciplers you're already investing in others now you may be investing in somebody that's uninterested or somebody that's interested that's discipleship too And God calls all of us to invest in others wherever they are. So as we turn the page and talk about making these three can't-lose investments, I want you to begin thinking and asking Jesus, what's next for me? How can I invest in 2020 in a way that will lead to peace to a life of gratitude and no regrets. The number one, the first investment that you can make is to pursue intimacy with Jesus. Now, maybe you expected that today. Well, of course, every every pastor is gonna say, Yeah, you, you need to pursue Jesus, but let me say, pursue Jesus first. It is more important for you to be with Jesus than to do things for Jesus. In Mark three, when he called the 12 apart from the rest of the disciples, he called them first that they would be with him. And then as a result of being with him, then he would send them out to preach and to cast out demons. Ministry flows out of intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes we like to be busy, we like to do things, and it's good to serve Jesus and do things for Jesus, But we've got to be rich in that relationship with him first. This has been a critical part of my life for years and years now. But last summer, it was especially critical for me. And one of the most important things for me in intimacy with Jesus is spending time with him each morning. Now, maybe you've got to jump on the commute at 530 and so morning's not good for you. Maybe it's at lunch break in the middle of the day, stealing aside for a few minutes to get alone with him, or maybe it's at the end of the day when you can find some quiet moments to get into the word, to pray, to talk to him, and to to draw close to him. But last summer, for me, first thing in the morning, uh, one of my sons kind of pulled away from Brenda and I, and he texted us at one point and he said, please don't contact me, I need some space. So as a, as a parent, what do you do? So in his mid-20s, I'm thinking, what did I do? Where did I mess up with my son? And then anger rises up in me, and then disappointment and discouragement. And I had a couple of weeks where I was really struggling internally, feeling bad, missing my son. And my strength and my solace came from pursuing intimacy with Jesus. And over that couple of weeks, I felt like I began to get some new perspective. To say, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing in his life, but I trust you. I'm going to continue to love my son. I'm going to give him his space for now. But Jesus, I need you right now that intimacy with Jesus helped me through that challenging time. And all of us need Jesus, not only during the challenging times like that, but we need to build that strength of relationship in the good times as well, so that when the hard times come, we've got that relational connection with him that we can call out to him and follow him closely. Pursuing intimacy with Jesus needs to happen both on our own and in community with others. Life in our culture can drain the life from your souls. It can suck us dry. And the way to refill that is intimacy with Jesus. That's the antidote to the hurry and chaos of our culture around us. There's two things that I'd recommend and in your notes you've got a place there's a question that I'm going to ask you in a minute but on the back of your notes there's a web address venture.cc/read if you don't have a Bible reading plan for the coming year let me encourage you to click that link later go there it's with the Bible app the U version and it's a read through the New Testament in one year and that's something that we're inviting people to do together as a church And you can actually invite friends to read through it with you. You can send them the link. And then each day you can make posts and you can encourage each other that way. A second thing that I would encourage you to pursue intimacy intimacy with Jesus is to go through our Ignite course. Ignite is an eight-week course that we begin in January, January 26, and it will help you work on these disciplines, these practices to draw closer to Jesus, help you to come to better understand how God views you, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to walk in victory. It's a great course that I would encourage every person to go through, whether you've been walking with Jesus for 20 years or two days. You can find out more about that back at the info hub after. We've got a brochure there with a listing of groups and classes, and we'd love to help you get connected into that. These spiritual practices, however, can be approached as a duty, something just to check off. That's not the motive. The motive is intimacy with Jesus, and that's the first can't-lose investment. So there in your notes, the number one way that I grow closer to Jesus. Take a moment and just write in there, what's going to help you the most in 2020. The second can't-lose investment for 2020 is to cultivate life-giving relationships. Cultivate life-giving relationships. You know, Jesus always put people first. As he moved through the crowds and ministered to people, there there was one occasion where the children were coming to Jesus and the disciples were shushing them away, shooing them away, because they felt the kids weren't important. But Jesus said, no, no. Let the little children come to me. He loved the children. He wanted to have a relationship with them. There were times where there were lepers, the outcasts, who no one would touch, the untouchables of the society. Jesus would touch them. Of course, he'd heal them, but he would touch them, and he would be around them. it, It says that he would go to the home of a tax collector for a meal, and the tax collectors were... Also considered the scum in Jewish society. He hung out with prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, people that others would shy away from or stay away from or scorn. Jesus loves people, he loved people, and his ministry took place in the context of relationship. You and I need relationships. About a year ago, Brenda and I we're at a point where we said, you know what, we feel a bit isolated. We need more relationships. So we invited some folks over that live in the Morgan Hill area. Had a barbecue, of course. We had to smoke some meat for that. But out of that group of people that came over, we launched a life group. And we started meeting in January of 2019, building relationship. You know, I'm glad that we pull together as a group. That became our community this year. We're gonna continue on into next year. One of our guys, Cody, lost his wife to cancer last September. We walked through that together. Rick had a heart attack. We walked through that together. We all need people around us to encourage us, to sharpen us, to walk through the challenging times. God didn't design us to do life alone. Now, some of you are single. Who are the few people in your life? Do you have anybody that you would say they are a life-giving friend? If not, let me encourage you to set a goal to develop two or three life-giving friendships in 2020. We've got groups and classes that you can connect in to meet people I'd invite you to come to First Step on January 12th, where you'll meet some other people who maybe are new to Venture or looking to get connected. And we wanna help you because we believe relationships are important. Are you married? Next to your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your spouse is your most important relationship. How's it going? If I was to say on a scale of one to 10, how is your marriage, how would you rate it today? What would you like it to be a year from now? Marriage takes work. But you got to decide, I'm going to invest in my marriage this year. I'm going to do a few things different this coming year. Or maybe I'm going to go to counseling or I'm going to take a class on marriage. My wife Brenda is going to be teaching a class that also starts on the 26th of January called Assess Your Marriage. Now, this is also for those who are dating or engaged, thinking of getting married. There's an assessment that she uses that'll help you evaluate and then teaching to help you grow in that most important relationship. We all need spiritual journey partners, and like my life group is in Morgan Hill, that's a group of people that I can journey with. The third way that you can make a can't lose investment is to invest in the spiritual growth of other people. And maybe you'd say, well, I can't do that. That's that's too big. All of us can do something. Look back at the continuum diagram again, the make disciples diagram. Who has God already placed in your life that you could start to invest in? Maybe it's a neighbor. I've got some neighbors that we've had a few meals together that I'm wanting to invest relationship in with the hopes that they will become interested and begin to follow Jesus too. Maybe there's somebody like that in your life. Some of you are mature in your faith, and it's time for you to begin to disciple a younger man or a younger woman or, or a group of younger men and younger women. Set a goal for that. Take the initiative and invest in the life of another person. That's an eternal investment that will pay great rewards. You know, these second two investments, cultivating life giving relationships and investing in the spiritual growth of others, flow out of that first investment of intimacy with Jesus. So it's important for us as we consider making these investments that we prioritize and we put Jesus. First, God calls us, first and foremost, to be with Jesus. That's my number one priority for 2020. On the next page of your notes, you have an assessment, a self-assessment on your spiritual journey. Let's take a minute, a couple of minutes actually, and let's walk through this together. The first item, my relationship with Jesus is increasing in intimacy. How would you rate that? A one would be absolutely not. Maybe I don't have a relationship, or no, it hasn't grown at all. A three is, well, it is growing, but it's not there yet. If you put a five, that means my relationship with Jesus is better than it's ever been, and we're going to the moon together. Number two, I spend regular time with God in the word, in prayer. How's that going? Are you spending a couple of days a week? Never once a month? Are you spending five days a week, six days a week? Go ahead and rate yourself. How are you doing in spending time with God? Number three, my life is characterized by love, joy, and peace from God. Would you say that five, absolutely, every day I wake up with the joy of the Lord in my heart, I'm full of love, that'd be a five. A three, maybe, some days yes, some days no, I'm not there, but I'm moving that direction. And one is, you know what, my heart is cold, it's sad, I'm depressed. I'm struggling in this area. Number four, my closest relationships are healthy and God-honoring. Think about the, the most important relationships. If you're married, your spouse, if you're single, those few close friends. Maybe your kids. How are they doing? Five would be amazing. A two, I really need to invest in this area this year. Number five, I actively use my abilities and resources to serve God's purposes. Are you engaged in God's mission for your life? Again, one would be no, that's not at all a part of my life. A five, Absolutely, I feel like I am using what God has given me in his kingdom. Number six, I'm in relationship with other Christians that provide mutual encouragement and support. Do you have a a life group, a discipleship group? Some folks that you would say these are life-giving support and encouragement relationships. Number seven, I'm investing in the spiritual growth of at least one other person. Again, that could be building a relationship with someone who is uninterested at this point. But you're investing, praying for them, encouraging them when the opportunity comes, share your story. It may be discipling a couple of people, sitting down and teaching them what God's taught you. And then number eight, this relates to that continuum diagram. In my spiritual journey, I would say that I am, and go ahead and honestly, this is just between you and God, by the way. The more honest you will be, the better of a tool it becomes for helping you. Where are you? Uninterested, interested, believing, following, discipling. If that interests you, and you would like to dig a little deeper in assessing and understanding, in our first step class, we follow that with a next step class called Discover Discipleship, and we do a more in-depth assessment. It'd be an opportunity for you to really understand and then meet one-on-one with a discipleship coach to help you evaluate your journey and take next steps. So the way to get in on that, come to First Step on January 12th. All right, go to your last page, the back of your notes. I'm going to invite you right now to set some goals in these three primary areas, spiritual, relational, and discipleship. You want to set smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, And time phase. So an example there, to pursue intimacy with Jesus, I'll spend 20 minutes a day, maybe for you it's five minutes a day, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 30 minutes, six days a week in the word and prayer in the mornings. Maybe for you it's at noon, in the evening, other times. That's just an example. For you, set one, maybe two goals in your spiritual life. In addition to my daily time with the Lord, I set a goal there of a quarterly day or half day of solitude, of getting alone, maybe going up into the hills or to a lake or something, just to be alone, to pray, to think, to reflect. That's one of my spiritual goals. Uh, Next, set a relational goal. To cultivate life-giving relationships, I will. What's that most important relationship? In my marriage I've got, it's a compound goal, but I will have conversation daily with Brenda. I will take her on a date weekly where we'll have some more in-depth conversation and we'll get away quarterly. We'll go somewhere, we'll go overnight, go on a trip, things like that. So that, that's my marriage strengthening goal. Go ahead and set a goal or two. And then finally, a discipleship goal, investing in the spiritual growth of others, I will. For me, one of my goals is I'm gonna launch a new men's discipleship group this year. So if you will set some goals, review them often, share them in community and encourage others with their goals, you're gonna get to the end of 2020 and you're gonna thank me. I had a mentor up in Oregon, a pastor who said, if you write down your goals and if you review them regularly and for him that meant at least twice a week, you're 10,000 times more likely to accomplish those goals. Now I know that wasn't a scientific study that he got that from, but I think the principle is kinda true. I would add though that, and you share them with a few other people and hold each other accountable throughout the year. So with my discipleship group of guys, I'm gonna share my goals and we're gonna encourage each other throughout 2020. And I know that I'm gonna grow closer to Jesus My marriage and other relationships are going to grow stronger, and some guys' lives are going to be changed because I took the time to invest in them and be used by God. I'm passionate about this because everything flows out of relationship with God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Let's prioritize 2020 to seek God first and to see him change our lives. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.